If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. This morning we're looking at verses 1 through 9. Today is our, actually our, our last Sunday in Proverbs. We've been looking at in Proverbs over the course of the summer, looking at uh, wisdom for life, considering wisdom for life from the book of Proverbs. And we've, uh, I think this is the 11th message from Proverbs. We haven't exhausted the wisdom from Proverbs by any stretch of the imagination. There's still plenty more there, uh, but we've hit some good topics along the way. And as we close out today, we're going to be looking at champions of justice and just considering biblical justice, what that looks like. Next week, uh, get ready, we're going to start a new series, The Gospel According to Moses, looking at the book of Deuteronomy. So working through the book of Deuteronomy, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So be in prayer for that series as we begin next week. Proverbs chapter 31, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 9 this week. Now, we hear a lot these days about justice, but uh, more so along the lines of social justice. You've probably heard that term thrown around. Social justice is a big concern for our culture today. And now, when you talk about social justice, there's a lot of different ideas, and it's, it's really kind of hard to, to focus in and find a, an exact definition of what social justice is. But when you, when you look at the, the tenets of social justice in our secular culture, it, it kind of comes down to this. Social justice aims to transform governing systems in order to ensure equal rights and equitable opportunities for all people groups. So I'll, I'll just say that definition again. Social justice, as we see it in our culture, uh, most readily in our culture, aims to transform governing systems in order to ensure equal rights and equitable opportunities for all people groups. So think about that. Uh, what does that look like? Let's, let's break it down. And one of the, the big things that we hear in relation to social justice, and you've probably heard this term before if you listen to a lot of news, you've heard about critical race theory. Uh, critical race theory is kind of the, the, the driving philosophy around social justice in the realm of race, racial issues and racial discrimination. And so you can kind of take this system of critical race theory and, and just kind of transform it in different ways to other groups that uh, people want to talk about social justice for, and, and you kind of get the same thing. So Social justice, kind of in a nutshell, breaks our culture down into, breaks the population of the world down into two opposing groups. All right? So, social justice breaks the world down into oppressors and oppressed. Oppressors and oppressed. Now, the gospel says there is neither Jew nor Gentile nor Greek. There's no uh, slave nor free, but we're all one in Christ. But social justice breaks things down into two groups, oppressors, oppressed. And so you have these people who are on top. They're the oppressors. 
and they're keeping the oppressed people down. They're, they're keeping them beat down. And so the way you've got to overcome this system that, that is built upon the oppressors and the oppressed is to bring in not just equality, but equity. Not just equality, but equity. Now, we, we live in the land of the free, and, and we, 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 we want equality in America, right? Everyone has equal rights in America. That's, that's what we strive for. But social justice says equality is not enough. It's not enough that we all have the equal opportunity in the world. There has to be equitable opportunities in the world. And so, for social justice... If you have the oppressor and the oppressed, the oppressor has an advantage in the world, in the, the systems of the world. The oppressor has an advantage. And so in order for the oppressed, the oppressed to come out of oppression, then you've you got to take something away from the oppressors and give it to the oppressed so that you know they're brought up to to the same level as the oppressor and so if you you google social justice or you google uh critical race theory you'll, you'll get a cartoon that that's a popular cartoon and you have three three guys sitting there at the the fence watching a baseball game and one guy he's six foot tall and so the fence they're, they're looking over the fence and so the fence comes to about here on the six foot guy and then you have one who's about five foot. So, so he can kind of stand up on his tippy toes and, and kind of maybe get over the fence a little bit, you know, and see part of the game. And then you got this other guy. He's about four foot tall, and so he can't see anything. There's, there's no hope of him getting over the fence. And so it, equality would be that you give each person a box to stand on, right? That's equality. They all, have, they all three have the same opportunity. But equity says the six-foot guy, he doesn't need the box. And so you take the box from the six-foot guy. The four-foot guy, he needs the box so that he can, can see. So you give him his box. But you take that six-foot guy and you take his box and you give it to the three-foot guy so that now the three-foot guy can, can stand and see over the fence. That seems reasonable, right? But that's social justice. You've got to take away from one to give the, to the other. And so it's not equality, it's equity. But in the end, it's not justice. Right? It's not justice. Because what social justice tries to do is social justice tries to flip everything on its head. And what social justice wants to do is social justice wants to make the oppressed the oppressor and the oppressor the oppressed. That's ultimately what you get into with social justice now let me be clear we want justice we want justice we need justice we we as christians should always strive for justice but in the words of john macarthur justice needs no modifier we don't need to modify justice we don't need social justice we don't need uh, environmental justice we don't need economic justice we just need justice and if we get our mind wrapped around the biblical idea of justice and strive for justice, then there will be equality. 
There will be equality. And the poor will be brought up. The poor will be taken care of. The poor will be given what they need. So as Christians, yes, we want justice. But let's take away the modifiers. Forget all of what the world wants justice to be. Forget how the world wants to transform justice to kind of conform to their agenda. And let's look at biblical justice and strive for biblical justice. That's what we want. Now, we need to understand that social justice is, is, is affecting the SBC. And that's one reason I'm, I'm ending with this, this topic of justice this morning. Because we need to understand this. Social justice is starting to affect the SBC. So much so that at this last national meeting, that was the, the divide there. Right? That was the divide. Uh, there's those who, who want to kind of gear the SPC towards social justice. But then, is that what we're here for? We're here to preach the Gospel. We're to see lives transformed by the Gospel. Even, so, even much so that this past year, uh, Ronnie Floyd, Dr. Ronnie Floyd, who is the president of the executive board of the SBC, he and the board, they, they formed a, a five, a, a, a vision, a 2025 vision is what they call it, and it had five actionable steps to take, right? Five actionable uh, parts to it. And all of the, the five actionable parts we're good, right? They, they, they had a gospel focus. It was things like uh, planting so many more churches, uh, increasing cooperative giving so that we can send out more missionaries and, and things like that. And so it had this gospel focus. But then at the convention meeting, there were those who pushed for a sixth one. And not that it was necessarily a bad, you know, actionable agenda, a bad actionable step. But this sixth one was to prayerfully, I'm going to try to remember this off the top of my head, prayerfully endeavor to eliminate all, uh, all instances of sexual abuse and racism, racial discrimination in the SBC. I mean, who, who doesn't want that, right? But then my question to that is, well, why are we just stopping with sexual abuse and racial discrimination? What about child abuse? What about adultery? What about homosexuality? What about transgenderism? Where are all the other sins that we're to be focused on? I mean, if we're going to just bring out two sins, are we just going to focus on two sins? That's all we're worried about is sexual abuse and racial discrimination? Is that all we're concerned about as a convention? No. Why then, why is that being, being pulled out and why has that focus been given on those two sins? Why? Because those are the two that are the focus of our culture. 
You see all of this about racial discrimination on the news, night in and night out, all the, the, the protests and all of that. That's in our culture. You see the Me Too movement with all the sexual discrimination, all the sexual abuse out there. Those are in our culture. So now you've got this group and, our, and the convention who, who wants to point everything towards social justice and, and not all social issues, just what, what's in our culture. Right? We're, we're, we're planning according to our culture instead of planning according to God's Word. You see, if we would focus on the five gospel-centered, uh, actionable uh, uh, visions that, that the executive board had presented, then we would take care of all the sin. Right? If we're taking the gospel, how do we overcome sexual abuse? How do we overcome racial discrimination? How do we overcome child abuse? How do we overcome all of these sins? Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We take the gospel to the nations and we let Christ transform their lives. If we focus on the gospel, sin takes care of itself. So we've got to, as a convention, and that's why, church, we've got to stay involved in our convention. We've got to be there at our annual meetings because we have to keep our convention focused on what's important. We can't get our playbook from the culture. This is our playbook. And it tells us the gospel is what's important. So we don't need to be concerned with social justice. But we need to be concerned with biblical justice. And so today we want to look at biblical justice. What is biblical justice? What should we be concerned with when it comes to biblical justice? And so today I want to encourage you. Uh, take, for example, uh, Proverbs chapter 28 verse 5 evil man evil men do not understand justice but those who seek the lord those who seek yahweh understand it completely we need to understand justice if we're going to be followers of jesus christ if we're going to seek god then we need to know what justice looks like we need to pursue justice we need to be champions of justice champions of justice so today that's my my plea to you champion justice not social justice justice champion justice and today i want us to learn how to do that i want us to learn to be champions of justice and in order to accomplish this task we're going to consider first three fruits of injustice followed by three fruits of justice and then we'll end with four pursuits of champions of justice and for time's sake I'm going to probably, those first two, I'm going to clip through pretty quick. When we look at the fruits of injustice and justice, we're going to clip through those pretty quickly. But then I want to focus in on the pursuits of justice. So if you found your place there in Proverbs chapter 31, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. The words of King the mule, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for, for kings, O Lemuel. 
It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for uh, the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Father, as we look at justice today, Lord, we pray that we would become champions of justice, of biblical justice. Lord, teach us today what that looks like through the text that we will be reading. Teach us, O oh Lord. May we learn from your word and may we be champions of justice. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So first of all, this morning, I do want us to, to look at the fruits first of injustice, the fruits of injustice, being an unjust person. This is what you, you earn. This is what you get out of it. First, the first fruit of injustice is divine curse. It's divine curse. Proverbs 3.33, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked and he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked. And, and as you read the, the book of Proverbs, you, you see quickly that those who are wicked, the unjust, are among the wicked, right? The unjust are, are wicked in the sight of the Lord. Those who show partiality, those who, who do things that are unrighteous. And so there is the divine curse, the curse of the Lord upon those who are unjust in their dealings. So there's the divine curse. There's also divine separation. Divine separation. Proverbs 17, 15 says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord an abomination to the Lord. There's this separation. There's divine separation. Now, a few weeks talk about this word abomination. What does the word abomination mean? Well, uh, something that is, an, uh, is abominable to the Lord means that he hates it. He despises it. And the reason God hates it, the reason he, he hates injustice, the reason he despises injustice is it's contrary to his nature. It is absolutely, totally contrary to his nature. God is a just and righteous God. He can't stand injustice. Therefore, because God hates injustice, because it's so contrary to his nature, he can't be Involved in anything that's in, unjust. You think about oil and water, right? They don't mix. You take a, a cup, a, a glass, and you pour oil, oil and water in it, and, and what happens? Oil sinks, the water rises, right? They, they separate because they're, they're contrary 
And saying that this is an abomination to the Lord. He hates it. He despises it because it, it is absolutely, positively contrary to his nature. He can't be in it. And so let me tell you, even if you go out and you begin to do things in an unjust manner, God can't be with you. He's going to distance himself from you. That's going to affect your relationship with him. Be careful. Pursue justice. And try to weed out every injustice in you. So there's the divine curse. There's divine separation. And then finally, number three here, there's divine destruction. Divine destruction. Proverbs 22, 22 and 23 says, Do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gates. For the Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. You see, that's what often happens. The poor are un unable to defend themselves. The poor are unable to, to mount up a defense uh, against others. And so a, a lot of times we see this, right? The poor are taken advantage of. They're taken advantage of. And God says that's an abomination to me. And, and not only that, I'm going to judge you for that. If you're taking uh, advantage of the poor just because they're poor, just because they're not, not able to, to defend themselves against you, God's going to judge you for that. There's going to be destruction. As our text says, He will take away your life. You rob the poor of their possessions because they're poor, because they can't do anything about it, God will rob you of your life. How many times have we treated the poor with contempt? How often have we treated the most vulnerable in society with contempt? How we all deserve God's wrath. Because if we're honest, if we're really honest, and look at our lives, we're all guilty in, in some way, shape, form, or fashion. We could all be guilty of unjust actions. When you think about this, and I think about Israel, it's a, a, an example of injustice. In fact, when you begin to read through the prophets, you'll, you'll see a, a lot of what God condemns Israel for is injustice. The reason God sent them into exile was large in part due to injustice. Amos chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Notice what it says here. Thus says the Lord, this is God's judgment upon Israel. He's about to send them into exile. For three transgressions of Israel, and for four I will not revoke the punishment, the judgment because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes. In other words, there's, there's this partiality in the courts, right? The, the rich are bribing the judges to get a judgment in their favor. There's injustice in the courts. Those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the afflicted. 
a man and his father go into the same girl so that my holy name is profane. They lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge, which was in disobedience to God's law. And in the house of God, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. And all of this, in this prophecy, you see over and over injustice taking place. You see people who are taking advantage of the most vulnerable in society to advance their own agendas. They're taking the, the garments of the poor and pledge, which was a no-no according to the Word of God, God's law, because in that day, they didn't have ten outfits in their closet. They had one. And if you take that one garment from them, how are they to keep themselves warm at night? The law says if you do take a garment from someone, return it to them for the night so they can stay warm. And they're not doing that. They're, they're despising the, the Word of God to take advantage of people. Injustice was rampant in the nation of Israel and God says, I'm going to judge you for that. I'm going to judge you for that. I'm going to send you into exile for two, two, two of the main reasons. Israel was judged. One, they despised God and worshipped idols. Two, they took advantage of people. They took advantage of the most vulnerable in society. Instead of loving God and loving their neighbor as themselves, they despised God and they despised others so that they could advance their own purposes. And God said, I'm sending you in exile. I'm going to destroy you because of your, your, love for, your lack of love for me and your lack of love for others. So the fruits of injustice, divine curse, divine separation, and divine, uh, divine destruction. Now let's consider the fruits of justice. The fruits of justice. And these, these compare, or these are in contrast to the, the fruits of injustice. First, there's divine blessing. Divine blessing instead of curse. Proverbs 24, 23 through 25, these also are sayings of the wise. Partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight and good blessing will come upon them. There's blessing that comes from being just. Divine blessing. Proverbs 3.33 again says, The Lord curses is on the house of the wicked, but He blesses the dwelling of the righteous. When we, when we pursue justice, when we uphold justice, God honors that. He blesses that. Because God is a just God. Second, there's divine favor instead of separation. There's divine favor. Proverbs 21.3 says do, uh, to do righteous and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. To do, to do righteousness and, and justice is more acceptable than, than sacrifice. How many times in the Old Testament did, did God get on to Israel 
for honoring Him with their lips, for coming to church, for singing praises, for going through all the motions, yet going out and treating others with contempt. Taking advantage of people who are vulnerable. God gives His favor to those who seek justice. He blesses those who, get, who pursue justice. So there's divine blessing, there's divine favor, and third, there's divine protection instead of destruction. There's protection instead of destruction. Proverbs 28, 16, A ruler who lacks understanding is a cruel oppressor, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. The one who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. Proverbs 29, 14, If a king faithfully judges the poor, his throne will be established forever. That was the indictment, one of the indictments against all the kings of Israel. They took bribes. They, they took advantage of the most vulnerable. And God removed them from their thrones. So there's the three fruits of injustice that we... There, there, there's more. We could, we could have listed more, but I just did these three in comparison. There's the, the fruits of injustice, divine curse, divine separation, and divine destruction. And then the three fruits of justice, divine blessing, divine favor, and divine protection. Of course, there is only one perfect, just king and one perfect and just man who has ever walked this earth and that was Jesus Christ Psalms 9 7 through 8 says but the Lord Yahweh sits enthroned forever he has established his throne for justice and he judges the world with righteousness he judges the people with uprightness and Jesus is Yahweh incarnate Yahweh in the flesh and He has established His just throne for all of eternity. And one day He will sit upon His throne and, just all, and judge all of the world. Every man and woman who have ever lived, He will judge them according to His righteous rule. Injustice in His court. But each person will get what they rightly deserve. And if you have... If you want to experience the fruit of justice, and if you have, if you want to experience the fruit of justice, if you want to experience the fruit of justice in your life, then friend, follow the example of King Jesus. You see, that's where it starts, because we're all born with a natural tendency towards injustice. We're all born with that natural tendency to, to take care of me. To do whatever I can to advance my cause, even if it means taking advantage of someone else. We all have that tendency. And the only way to escape that, truly escape that, is to trust in Jesus Christ. The One who performed perfect justice. 
lived in perfect righteousness and performs perfect justice in everything that he does. He did it perfectly for us. And he went to Calvary's cross and he died for our guilt of injustice so that we might be found just in him. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by God's grace as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to experience the blessings, the true fruits of justice, start by trusting in Jesus. Start by surrendering your life to Christ. And He will give you His righteousness. His justice. So we see the fruits of injustice and the fruits of justice. Now let's consider the four pursuits of, champion, of a champion of justice. Four pursuits of a champion of justice. And here's where we go to our text. We've kind of been going through different proverbs for the fruits of injustice and justice. Now let's focus in on our text to see four pursuits of a champion of justice. The first pursuit of a champion of justice, a champion of justice pursues virtue. He pursues virtue rather than vice. Now, this proverb, we don't know who Lemuel is. No one really knows. Someone, some people you know, suspect that it's, it's another name for Solomon. And so this would be Bathsheba, his mother, giving him this advice. And then he writes it down in, in the book of Proverbs. But really no one knows for sure who Lemuel is. It doesn't matter because God has preserved it for us in his word. So ultimately this is coming from God. So she begins here with that, that warning there. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vow? That's a warning. We've already kind of considered the warning as we've considered the fruits of injustice and the fruits of justice. But then she moves in verse 3. <clears throat> Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not, it is not for kings, Olamule. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink. In other words, what she's saying here, King Lemuel, you need to pursue virtue instead of vice. When she talks about women here, she's about enjoying the wife of your youth, which other Proverbs tell, tell us to do. Uh, she's talking about women in general. Uh, and, and this is talking about, uh, you know, they had concubines and, and all of that sort of thing. And, and we know that Solomon, he didn't take this advice very well because he had over 400 wives and, and so many concubines. And so he gave his strength to women. Women who would take him away from following the Word of God. Virtue. You have to pursue righteousness before God. Of course, Jesus is our perfect example of virtue. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weak every respect, has been tempted as we are sin, yet without sin. You know, we need to understand that Jesus was tempted. 
He was tempted towards sin, just like each and every one of us are tempted to sin. That little, little, little episode there at the beginning of his ministry with, with Satan, that wasn't the end of his temptation. That wasn't, you know, one and done. He was good for the rest of his life. He was tempted throughout his life. Yet he met every temptation with virtue. He followed the commands of the Lord and he, he faced temptation, yet he never, ever sinned. Now, we're not going to be perfect like Jesus. Absolutely not. We can't be. That's out the door. We can't be perfect like Jesus. We'll never be perfect like Jesus. But I want you to know this, dear Christian. Jesus has given you power over sin and temptation. He has given you power over sin and temptation. You, you can face temptation and you can push through temptation. You can. You've been given power over temptation. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers with, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. But... Right? But God. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the, as followers of Jesus Christ, when we come to faith in Christ and surrender our lives to Him, He sends the Holy Spirit to indwell us and give us power over sin. He sends the Holy Spirit to give us power over sin. You don't, you're not a slave to sin anymore. You were a slave to sin. Now you've been set free. And those who are, are free in Christ are free indeed. You are free from the power of sin. You can overcome its temptation. Just turn to Jesus. Do it in His strength. Do it in His might, and you can overcome sin. So be a champion of justice and pursue virtue in your life by pursuing that in Jesus Christ. Second, <clears throat> excuse me, pursue God's Word. Pursue God's Word. Notice what she says there in verses 4 and 3. It is not for kings, Olamule. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. What does he mean by, or what does she mean by uh, forgetting what has been decreed? She means God's Word. What has been decreed in God's Word? In fact, you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, and we'll get to this in, in the coming months because that's where we're going, right? And, and so when, when you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, though, you, you see the rules for Israel so that he would judge rightly in the nation and be a righteous king was that every king was to make himself a copy of God's Word. He was supposed to take the manuscript, right, out of the temple, and he was to, to bring it into his house, and he was to take his little pen 
whatever that looked like, and he was to write his own copy of the law of God. The first five book of, books of the Bible. He was supposed to do that so that he would know it and so that he would have his own personal copy there to, to refer to when he was making judgments, when he was making rulings in, in the nation of Israel. And so what she is saying there, that, that you don't need to forget God's Word. You need to remember God's Word. You need to pursue God's Word. You need to make that a part of your DNA. You need to make that a part of your life. When you make a decision, it's based upon God's Word. It's not based upon feelings. It's not based upon your wants and your desires. It's not based upon this guy's got enough money to pay you to, to go his way. It's not based on anything but God's Word. And we've got to be the same way. When we go out into our culture and we engage our culture because we're, we are called to engage our culture, light in the world. But as we go out and engage our culture, we don't go out and engage our culture in light of the critical race theory. We don't go out and engage our culture uh, according to any other theory man-made theory. We engage our culture according to God's Word. What does God's Word say? How should we relate to other races according to God's Word? How should we relate to the poor according to God's Word? How should we relate to those who are different to us according to God's Word? Everything comes back to God's Word. That's why our number one core value is biblical teaching. Because everything we say and do should be based upon fruits of God's Word. Dear friend, get into God's Word. Study it on your own individually. Come to Wednesday night Bible study. Especially you men. Man, I want to see you there. We need to have a full class. Because you're to be the leaders of your household. How are you going to lead your household if you don't know God's Word? We're in God's Word. We're going to be in God's Word. And we're going to study God's Word together. Come study God's Word. Be involved in life groups where, where you're, you're studying God's Word in, in that group. Take every advantage that you can to get into God's Word. And make it a part of the DNA of your life. Pursue God's Word. Be a champion of justice by pursuing virtue, pursuing God's word. Number three, uh, a champion of justice pursues advocacy for the vulnerable. Uh, a champion of justice pursues advocacy for the vulnerable. God calls us to that. He calls us to take care of the vulnerable and to advocate for the vulnerable. Look at verse 8. Open your mouth. That's a, that's a command there. That's an imperative. Open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of all who are destitute. Those who can't speak for themselves, you need to be their voice. Those who have no voice, you're it. As Christians, we're to be a voice for the mute. We're to be a voice for those who, who have no voice all, all of their own. Those who are most vulnerable in our culture. Matthew chapter 19, 
verses 13 through 15, Jesus again exemplifies this for us. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hand on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. His disciples were saying, oh, stop, hey, hey, get those kids out of here. Jesus is too busy for kids. Get those kids out of here. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Jesus advocated for the most vulnerable. He advocated for the most vulnerable. And so we are called to advocate for the most vulnerable in our culture. We're called to advocate for children. For children who have no voice, both born and unborn. That's why we, we every year we, we go to the March for Life. And we try to speak up. We do things to speak up for the unborn because who's most vulnerable, more vulnerable than an unborn child? We must speak for the most vulnerable. We must speak for children. We must speak for those who are disabled, especially for those who have mental disabilities, who are unable to speak out for themselves. Those who cannot defend themselves. We're to be their defense. We're to speak out for them. To advocate for them. Speak out and advocate for the poor and the homeless. Those who can't mount up a defense. We're to advocate for the most vulnerable in our society. So, to be a champion of justice, you pursue virtue, you pursue God's Word, you pursue advocacy for the most vulnerable. And third, you pursue liberty and justice for all. Right? I mean, that's what America was built upon. And, and there's a reason for that because America was built on biblical values. We're to pursue liberty and justice for all. Every person, despite their economic status, despite their race, whatever, we're to fight for and pursue liberty and justice for all. You know, there still is physical slavery in the world today. And not just over yonder somewhere. Not just over in Africa or, or Middle East or, or somewhere far off. It, it's right here in America. I don't know if you were reading there on the screen and that opening section there on the, the, the prayer for, for uh, George Burnett missions, but, but on, on one of the first slides there it talked about um, a ministry in, in the Louisiana Baptist Convention that reach, reaches out to those who are women who are being sexually trafficked. Do you see there where it said about a mother pimping out her daughter to pay bills? That's sexual slavery. And you see that, and I... And I would say that that's probably happening right down the street. That's not just in New Orleans or Baton Rouge. That's happening here. Where little children are being pimped out for drug money and everything else. 
That's happening here in Bastrop. Sex trafficking is a major thing. It's happening all over the place. All over the place. Uh, Interstate 20 is a major fairway for sex trafficking. Women who are being, uh, being kidnapped and sold into slavery right here in America. We should be advocating for those who have no voice. We should be pursuing liberty and justice for those women, those children who are in slavery. Physical slavery. But as a church, most important, we're to be pursuing spiritual liberty for everyone. Because there is spiritual slavery. There's probably some in this room today. You're a slave to sin. You're a slave to death because you've never trusted in Jesus Christ. And you see, that's what the church is here to do. Yes, it's good and right to to advocate and and to try to, to get people out of physical bondage. But if all we do is get them out of one hell and we don't share the gospel with them, then we're ultimately going to send them to another hell that's far worse. Even as we, we, we try to free people from physical slavery, we're called to free them from uh, spiritual slavery all the more. That's why we, as a church, and supposed to be as a convention, we're to be gospel-centered, great commission-centered, to take the gospel to those who are enslaved to sin, to see them freed from slavery and become free in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to liberate the captives from sin and death, to give them liberty in Him and eternal life in His kingdom. Oh, the bad news is that we are all born slaves to sin and death. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came to set us free. John 8.36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Let us pursue liberty and justice for all. Both physically, yes, but most importantly, spiritually, setting people free from sin and death. Champion justice, pursuing, uh, pursue virtue, pursue God's Word, advocate for the vulnerable, and pursue liberty and justice for all as you seek to become a champion for justice. Champion justice, dear friend. Champion justice. Isaiah, let me flip over there. Isaiah chapter 12, or chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. I want to just read that to you. Here's the word of, of the prophet Isaiah, the word of the Lord coming from Isaiah. When you come to appear before me, says the Lord, who, <clears throat> who has required of you the trampling of my courts, 
Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. I cannot endure sin and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you need prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Here's the invitation. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool if you are willing and obedient you shall eat but if you refuse and rebel you shall be eaten by the sword for the mouth of the lord has spoken oh dear friend if there's any unjust way found in you today then hear this this invitation from the lord repent of your injustice Maybe you you find some way in your life that you're oppressing someone. Repent from your oppression. Or maybe you've just become callous to the vulnerable and the oppressed around you. Be washed by the renewing blood of Jesus Christ and champion justice. Oh, we're to be champions of justice. Make no mistake about that. Let us be just in all of our actions, in all of our dealings. Let us, not justice that our world defines, God's justice. For God's justice is righteous justice. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, I know we do hear a lot about justice in our world today. And so much is what, what's being panned as justice is far from it. Let us not be blinded. Lord, let us not be fooled. But let us be servants of, of your word. Lord, Lord, fill our hearts with your word. So that we do pursue justice according to your righteous judgment. Lord, certainly there's probably some today who are either here in this place or are watching online. Lord, if any have never trusted in Jesus or they're in slavery to sin. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would free them. In Jesus Christ. Let them turn to Jesus. Trust in Him. In Jesus. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.